0: levels good. Okay. But otherwise we're talking, man.
1: Are we talking? We're
0: going. We're going. And thank you for for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me to your lovely back patio. Um <laughs> which seems like maybe it's
1: doubling as your fitness area as well right now? Yes, right. And it all went down these past couple months. And to yeah. be honest with you, it happened this week. Yeah. Uh I actually just finished putting in the last bit of the artificial turf over this concrete. It looks and great. It's, yeah, it's, it's cozy. multifunctional. We're the first people on this grass. <laughs> it's
0: such an honor. It's such Let's an Let's break honor. it in. And we were talking about how you you should have just been celebrating your one-year anniversary in L.A., but what happened? Yeah. What went wrong?
1: <laughs> <laughs> what did go wrong? What did go wrong, right? Yeah. Man, uh, you know, your uh, one-year anniversary is the lease of other people's concerns yeah for sure and um that's just been my perspective on it right now yeah um anything that i have goal-oriented everything that i have planned in my career takes a sidestep yeah and we're focused more on a global cause yeah um
0: so you went back to texas you're from texas yeah and you went back there to kind of ride it out to feel
1: it out, you know. To feel ju- it out. Ju- just to see if it would be a week at home with the family. Yeah, and then the family powwow happened to be. Listen, you're going to be the guard dog and stay here mm-hmm. while we go to safer lands, which was Korea. So, was there? Did you ever think about going to Korea with them? Absolutely. Yeah. They they sold me like a car salesman in the yeah. lot. <laughs> They're like, this car goes fast. <laughs> This car has AC, airbags, this car has great food, like, (laughs) you know, the list went on and I sat down and I really thought about it for that week. Yeah. And I was really, really close to going with them. Really? My younger sister did.
0: Yeah. So it was literally just you and your family home.
1: Just me and the home in the home in the home yeah
0: so i would imagine that would be a pretty introspective time for you just uh yeah you you just come from this new life in la where you're building a new career and now you're back home to your roots yeah and you're alone yeah and you're in the middle of this quarantine yeah this isolation yeah you i mean i could only imagine that that would
1: really cause
0: some deep thinking
1: yeah A lot of deep thinking, because I don't know if you're familiar with Dallas, but it's suburbia. You know, you have pockets of um, nicer homes than, you know, middle class homes. And Mm -hmm. you have all the way down to there's project housing. Sure. Um, So it's like a very metropolitan, diverse area. And, um, you know, for me, being born in Arlington, Texas, Mm -hmm. and being raised, you know, 30 minutes outside, which is Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, in that area... um, you know, 30 minutes from where I've, I was born is where I grew up in Capel. It's a small hole in the wall. Yeah. Uh, if you snooze at the wheel, you'll miss it town. Yeah. Two, two, two main roads. <laughs> no stoplights. Just no, cruise yeah, right yeah. through. <laughs> Actually, one major intersection, you know, one high school, yeah. uh, three middle schools, oh, and wow. a few elementaries. Yeah. Um, so very so, simple. Very simple. Salt of the earth upbringing. Salt of the earth upbringing. Still Cattle Land out there. Yeah. Um, so growing up in that environment, I was like, you know what, um, I love it here and I want to one day have my own ranch and yeah. my own, uh, you know, animals or whatever to roam the land and live the, the life, you know, the, the life that is so different from L.A. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's
0: people, people tend to later in life kind of return to their roots because right. that's what they know and that yeah. segues perfectly into the traditional first question of this podcast and the only real question of this podcast that's planned which is what were you up to when
1: you were seven years old (laughs) okay the best question the only question the only question me at seven years old man i was a terror i was a terror terror? i had so much energy Mm -hmm. that didn't know how to be contained uh my mom said that growing up i always had to be outside yep so you know when she was taking a nap I knew the only way to get permission was to peel back her eyelids. And I would crawl on top of her, peel back her eyelids, try to make eye contact and say it's time to go outside. Yeah. And my That's mom awesome. was like, Oh my goodness, this is my first son and he's only seven. Mm-hmm. We have so much more to go. Yeah. So much, to go. so much more to go. So much more to go, man. I was I was always outside.
0: Yeah, I was like you. I was always outside. I wasn't I wasn't allowed to have video games for a long time. I could watch TV, but it never really grabbed me i was always drawing or something while i was watching tv if i was doing that but mostly i was just in the creek behind my house and that's sort of where i grew up was like oh, man. being i was an only child for the most part until i was 13 so i was just sort of this lost boy in a creek
1: oh, and that's
0: man. you know that's sort of what i try to find in la is like going on hikes and getting lost in topanga or going you know out to like malibu creek mm-hmm. or something like that and trying to find that that slice of home in a town that's so wildly different than St. Louis, right. and it seems like maybe you're doing the same kind of thing. But how how did we get this seven year old wild child, this jungle boy, running around in Texas? Yeah. How did we get to L. A. How, how does how right. does that happen?
1: How does that happen? Yeah. How does that
0: happen, man? Because we so our connection is we both went to the same college, right? Uh, we both went to Dartmouth, and we didn't. We never cross past. What year did you graduate? Uh. On paper
1: eleven, but I stayed for fifth year for football, which is okay. twelve. Yeah, so I'm on paper
0: nine, but paper ha- nine. Okay, I-, I took a scenic <laughs> route and graduated in ten. Um, <laughs> nice. Okay. So we were there at the same time, but I don't. I don't think we ever met. And then we were introduced through a friend, Trevor King, who's a great guy. And I guess yes. you guys had done a program abroad together or met. I don't know how you guys had met.
1: Barcelona, or I believe he was also a psych major. Yeah. Um, I was a psych major as well. So we had some overlap in maybe senior projects. Sure. Um, Because once, you know, Dartmouth, you you decide your major late and Mm -hmm. then... Before you know, it, it's buckle down time. Yeah. And you get to know the people in your major pretty quickly. So uh, you were a psych major. Yeah,
0: psych. I was uh, super close to a psych minor. I love psychology classes, yes. cognitive psychology, social yes. psychology, figuring out why people, t- how people tick and why they yes. tick. And it's actually been super helpful in terms of modeling and acting because it's all just kind of inputs and outputs and mm-hmm. what the environmental and, um, I guess, innate... Mm causes that bring out the personality or the traits that mm. that you have wow right. um so I've, I've always i've always found that th- those classes have been strangely helpful in this career
1: Very, um yeah.
0: but yeah we met through trevor and he introduced us i think on instagram and then i ran into you at a casting and i was like i know that guy that's matt and we said hi i was like right. you know 200 south La Brea." we just did a quick handshake yeah. like you know the dartmouth connection yeah and then um seen each other at a couple parties, and yeah. now you're here. And I'm curious, you know, because I I went into Dartmouth as an economics major. I went into Dartmouth thinking, wow. I want to make as much money as possible. I'm going to be an iBanker. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to wear a suit. Right. I'm going to move to Connecticut, make the yeah. commute, the whole thing. Yeah. Then I got a C in Econ 1, and I was like, maybe not for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: yes, yeah.
0: And Easy. then I went to the English route, English yeah. major route, and I thought I'd be a lawyer. And then yeah. I finally settled into the arts, and I yeah. my my official major was studio art, but I I took some acting classes as oh, well. Wow. So it was always just, it always went back to creativity. So it was always like right. still that kid just drawing in front of the TV, always making shit in front of the TV, yeah, um, and running around outside. And, you know, my career that I've built has allowed me to do a lot of outdoor jobs, a lot of fitness jobs and a lot of really creative things with creative people, which is what I love. So, yeah, with you in psychology, you know, what prevented you from going becoming a clinical psychologist or a research psychologist Mm. or what sort of diverted you from that path? That's what interests me.
1: Yeah, you know, that's so crazy. Shout out to Dartmouth Psych Department. Woo, woo. Woo, woo, I, woo, used, to, woo. I used to make money doing experiments. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, they do experiments on you and pay you like 20 bucks. Right, yeah. yeah. You could volunteer for that. Yeah, or, yeah. Or get
0: extra credit for your classes. Right,
1: and that was the same as like the models for the studio art department. You, yep. could, you could sign up and you could be a student and you could be standing on a pillar. Naked. You know, naked. With, for 20 bucks an hour. And you have 25 students staring at your parts.
0: So I did a lot of those. I was in a lot of those classes, did a lot of figure drawing. And it was usually like townies or people from the Dartmouth area. It usually yeah. wasn't students. And then one time we had this one student who I knew it was a guy <laughs> Me too. and he got up there, but he wore his boxers. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. I was like, I'm fine with this, but also like, this is, you gotta, you're supposed to be naked, man. Like I gotta, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, because <laughs> figure, drawing's you go figure drawing's funny. You gotta go Figure funny. Cause yeah. like, you know, you're 18, 19, 20. Yeah. And this person takes their robe off and they get up on the little stage and they strike a pose, and there's thirty seconds of your brain that goes, naked person, naked person, naked person. Naked person. Yeah. And then you go then you become a doctor. And it's just right. it's light and forms right. and shapes. And it's it's one of my favorite things to draw because the human form is so beautiful. But yeah, as a as a young person, there is that part of you that is like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. that, that one that first like you
1: pick up the pencil, you look up, you're like, Oh my god, oh my yeah. god, oh my god <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um and it's funny, like I'm laughing at that like like whole experience, like and and I, I honestly I couldn't I could have the courage to to do that. So I applied then for sure that comfort level yeah. of one holding that pose for that 20 long twenty minutes at least. Twenty minutes at sometimes least sometimes an hour, yeah. Yeah. And it's not the easiest positions. I nope. mean you gotta be Hold yogi limber. Yeah. yeah. You gotta stretch out before you get into those and you gotta stay in it for like yeah, however long. Um you know, and I don't know if they got, you know, an hourly wage or some credit, but mm-hmm. I, I remember talking with one of the guys that I knew. and I'll, I'll keep him nameless for you know. <laughs> his own privacy. Yeah, some privacy. Um, but yeah, we met at uh, the house next to me. I was living in GDX and he was mm-hmm. in a house called Tabard. Yep. And um
0: sounds like a Tabard would probably do. Yeah. Naked modeling. <laughs> right, right, right. And they had a
1: fashion show too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know fashion show. Yep. And it
1: was like barely clothed fashion show so yep. it goes congruent like yep. you know and they were uh, very
0: sex positive um very co-ed very uh, social house ahead of their time yeah definitely ahead definitely, of their time especially back then
1: especially back then especially in a campus like dartmouth mm-hmm. um where it was founded by elizabeth wheelock in 17 hold up i'm gonna get it right you 80 know 80 69 69 that's Older right. than that's America right. that's right that's right yep. and um you know founded for uh, a school uh, uh, ele Wheelock was it was a pastor that mm-hmm. um designed the school to teach Native Americans English how to westernize them basically westernize them yep. Yep. yeah yeah it was like the beginning of the forefront into the west mm-hmm. and that's how they directed traffic yep um and and I've been reflecting on that a lot lately um for some you know, number of reasons being in Texas, it started. Um, but when we start to claim, you know, land and we start to claim territory and how far does that go back? Right. And yeah. it goes further than that. Right. Um, but you know, getting into the psychology part of it, you know, here we go down this rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but going you know, going back to the surface real quick for Tabard, you know, be living next to Tabard. Yeah. I would, you know, rub shoulders with these guys and, you know, being the football house in Tabard, you know, you have two Different types of human beings, right? At least on the inside. Yeah. When you say football, football house, you were in the football fraternity. I was in the football fraternity. Which was almost exclusively football players. Ninety eight percent. Yeah. We got some baseball in there.
0: Yeah. A little bit of baseball. And now it's it's shifted in the past few years, but when we were there, it was yeah.
1: football all the way. Yeah. Big stanky dudes who
0: <laughs> were very intimidating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and especially when they gathered down in a basement called the Pit. The Pit, yeah, which was uh an old squash court. Yes, um, th- that's the, the Co- lore, all concrete, all
0: concrete, and it had been converted into a room where we played our version of Pong. Yes, and um, that's where Masters was held, which was like Masters. the campus-wide Pong tournament. That's good. Uh, and this is all getting like a little too Dartmouth specific for the average listener. Right, <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. Well, you can't help it when you get too Dartmouth yeah. together; they're going to reminisce. It's right, gonna happen. right.
1: And and I like I bring it to that because going back to that question of how 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 did psychology yep. play into the decision process of what happened afterwards? Right, and. I was the same way, man. I did econ one. Mm-hmm. Was it called econ 001? Like first econ first, one, one, yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. And it was just like supply and demand. Supply and, all and that demand. Stuff. I gotta yep. see. Yeah. I gotta see. And I put my b- blood, sweat, and tears into that. Yeah. I really went into library. I, I actually studied. I actually tried. Yep. And for that result to come back, I was like, maybe we need to go to the chalkboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe I need to reevaluate things. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe I need to think about what I want to spend my time reading. And then I just went berserk. I started mm-hmm. signing up for, you know, all sorts of classes, yep. um, you know, weather classes about the clouds. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh Russian thirteen I took a natural about disasters fables. class. Right. <laughs> yeah. I
0: remember Russian thirteen. Russian yep.
1: thirteen. You know. And then I got into studio arts um, yeah. because you know studio arts didn't start at Dartmouth. You know, for me, I was raised by a mom that was a pianist oh, and cool. went to college for piano. Oh, wow. Was a piano major. Um, dreamt about becoming a piano professor. So she lived that dream having a son and taught me piano since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Had me in the studio arts painting drawing since I was starting to talk. Same. Um, you know, so I was just around paintbrushes and keyboards since I was really young. Yeah. And, um, you know, I-, I was like, if this is a truly liberal arts college, I'm going to start taking some musical and art classes. Yeah, they're there.
0: They're there. They're not the common path.
1: They're not the Most common path. Most people are path. history,
0: English, right. economics, right. politics, yeah. uh, anthropology, yeah. sociology. Yes. Um, but then there is this little subsect of people who decide that drawing and making sculptures is a lot more fun than taking tests and writing papers. And <laughs> right. I was one of them. <laughs> exactly.
1: I yeah. was like, my finals is going into the studio for seven hours yep. instead of going into the stacks and writing out an essay? Yeah. Okay. That was clear for me. So I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. I was sold. And that hit me senior year. I wish it hit me earlier on. It happens
0: to a lot of people because people get stuck in the tract of what everyone around them's doing. There's a exactly. lot of pressure because you're around all these high achieving people who are on, you know, they go, we want to work at these consulting firms. They want to work yeah. at McKinsey. They want to work at Goldman Sachs. They want right. to get into Harvard Law. Yeah. And you're like, well, should I be doing these things? And you yeah. sort of lose track of what your own truth is, what your own, um, I don't know what, what you want out of life. Yeah. And I remember being in high school. I remember I got like drunk one night in high school and I was Hmm. like, I just want to be a studio art major at Dartmouth. And like, I couldn't even say it out loud sober. And it took me two years, three years to finally get there and become a studio art major because like you know, I was resisting it and I was trying to follow yeah. the the beaten path as, yeah. as opposed to choosing the the road less traveled.
1: Wow, Robert Frost. Let's yeah, go.
0: Robert Frost, there we go. Bring it all back.
1: Bring it all back. <laughs> yeah. What was the moment for you that so, made you take that less traveled path?
0: Um I got in a little little bit of trouble when I was in college. I was still sort of acting out. I was in my angsty, angry young man phase and I Dartmouth is a very um, anti-drinking culture school that happens to also be a big drinking culture school. <laughs> so the college hates the fact that the school has that reputation. Right. The students love it. Right. Um, and I just got in trouble for underage drinking too many times. And I got kicked out. I got sent what? home. Um, so basically, between my sophomore and junior year, I was I was away from school and really? just trying to like figure out You know, I had to get back in and I had to figure out what I wanted to do when I got back. And this is after I had tried economics and I tried English. And I ended up going to Costa Rica for uh, five weeks. And I spent some time at a school there learning digital photography and digital photo editing. Mm. And basically, the Photoshop skills that I learned there have been hugely beneficial for me Mm. in for the rest of my life because I was a freelance web designer and graphic designer for a long time and knowing Photoshop and knowing Illustrator is so important. Yeah. But then... Um, just before I was scheduled to go back to school to return to my my effective junior year, yeah. um, I was celebrating my 21st birthday, and I went to New York, where okay. a lot of my friends were having internships. Oh,
1: yeah, and wow.
0: my birthday, I think, was on a Friday night, and that Friday, all my friends had to go to work, so I was just sort of free in the city, and I remember never having been to new york city alone like i was like i didn't know how to hail a cab i was like nervous <laughs> it was raining but i was like i guess i guess i'll go to the met today so um, i went to the Met. Museum. wow
1: what a choice you made a and choice i went
0: to the met yeah. and i just spent the whole day walking around the met mm-hmm. and i went to the hall of the grand masters so it's all rembrandt and renoir and monet wow. and i just sort of sat there staring at these paintings sort of like that scene in ferris bueller's day off where they're all just sort of like absorbing yeah. the art yeah i was just like fuck it i want to be an artist like i don't know what that's gonna look like wow. but that's what i want to do and i wow. went back to school and wow. i immediately switched my major and i had taken some studio art classes but i dove in headfirst and wow. finished my 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 time there deep in the studio arts deep. and then also involving some acting and some oh wow some classes that uh um, no some theater some scene design oh, production man. design yeah um just knowing that I wanted my life to be creative in whatever mm. form that took, and it's that's led me to where I am now. Mm. So yeah. it seems like we sort of had similar paths in terms of going and thinking one thing, and then you, you were led towards psychology, mm. and you know psychology, mm. like I said before, is is indispensable as a model as an actor. And you know how do you get this emotion on your face? How do you pretend mm. that this unnatural situation mm. is something that you're comfortable in, and you can make it look like you're actually having a great time with your friends at a bar mm. when you literally have never met these people before, and mm. there are forty people standing around you with lights and rigs and mm. cameras and you know a director yeah. or a photographer right. or someone who's pissed off. And right. how do you how do you find find that that psychological education has helped you in wow. navigating this yeah, this yeah. career?
1: Wow. That's everything, man. It's everything. It's, it's literally total encompassing. Like just approaching, um, human form. I think psychology is like a bird's eye view. Uh, Mm -hmm. you kind of zoom out and just see the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you get nitty gritty and then you look at the painting for the texture of the paint on it. Did they use a paintbrush? Did they slab it on there? Did they, you know, and you, and you really get into the intricate details of the human mind. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, as art, imitates life and life imitates art i think the essence of a human being uh in itself is all encompassing so i get why bob marley said inside a man is a universe yeah um it all exists inside of us right yeah um and we see it in a day-to-day and isn't that all we're doing we're studying human behavior yep that's all we're doing and in psychology is that um right We're, we're, we're looking at
0: why you do it Oh. When you talk about human behavior versus looking at a paint, like, you know, I love getting really close up to paintings and looking at the brush strokes and did they use a palette knife? Did they use mm. a really fine brush? Did mm. they use thick, broad strokes? Right. Um, and, you know, creating a painting is using your brain through a medium, which is paint and a brush to mm. evoke an emotion mm. where acting and modeling is using your brain through a medium which is your body and Mm. the wardrobe that you're wearing and the setting Mm. that you're in Mm. to evoke an emotion. Mm -hmm. So it's It's the same as any other art form, it's just the medium is you. And so I've found Mm -hmm. that that's been the most challenging and most interesting way for me to exercise my creativity. And so psychology is only gonna give you the foundation you need to, to at least start to wrap your head around the principles that will that will get you to a place where you are a technician in that mm-hmm. field of art that is modeling and acting. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Yeah, right on. Yeah. Right on, man. And, you know, it's funny because um, as we talk about creating in whatever facet form, it's like that's the filter, mm-hmm. right? Um, but we are also creation. Right. You know, we, are, we were all created so uniquely. And all, all, all those mannerisms, behaviors, what we studied – when you boil, boil it down to what it is, you tell it to someone, they might say, "That's common sense, bro." Yeah. And then, and then, and then, on the flip side, you can you can tell someone to do it, and they're like, "How? This is so hard." Right. This is so hard. Right. You know, and um, just like the choices that you made of shifting your life, you know, you gave yourself that freedom to let your body be the instrument and things flow out of you Mm -hmm. and that's that creativity and i think everyone has that um permission switch when they let it go and they say you know whatever i am whatever is whatever be yeah for whatever reason yeah i was created this way and less flow
0: yeah so flow you know let's flow and so let's talk about you know grew you grew up with an arts background, you grew up with a clearly a a great training in piano. yeah what was it what allowed you to flip that permission switch to move in the direction of well, how would you define yourself? Are you a model mm. and an actor now? Are you focusing yeah. on one versus the other yeah. are you yeah what's your kind of sort of immediate career goal as yeah. we sit here?
1: You know, it's funny man, during this quarantine I started to get involved with uh the Magnuson Entrepreneurial Yeah. um, you know, startup center resource. Now that we're in COVID, they went virtual and I was like, "Let's yeah. go." Yeah. Like I've always dreamt about going back and just studying and like you know, I think you know the, the the journey of learning is endless, and so when I had the opportunity, it was free. Like it was free. Like shout out to Magnuson, <laughs> <Woo-woo! Yeah. laughs> you know, it was free. And I, I'm sorry to keep bringing it back to our roots of of, of of New Hampshire, but um, it continues to serve me, and I I have a heart to serve it, uh, you know, until I return to the earth. You know, and and here we are standing or sitting here. Uh, tied by some New Hampshire ties. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I spent all that time getting on these Zooms and webinars... So what,
0: the Magnuson Institute is through yeah, Dartmouth. Through what, Dartmouth. What's its mission necessarily? Its, it's,
1: it's mission, that's beautiful. Um, so they they uh, t- spoke on mission. So mission is your actions now and your visions, your 20-year 20, 20 outlook. Yep. So when I try to apply that to my life now, um, my mission uh, out of college was different than the mission now, mm-hmm. but my vision's the same. yeah my vision has never shifted okay. um so that's that's always been the same but um the permission of giving myself to take on the mission uh actually started in middle school um when i was playing 7th grade football at, in capel and um i had this aha moment i looked in the stands after a game as people were filing out of the the stands and getting up and everyone was going home you know we won and um it was as if like I had this shaking groundbreaking moment and it's weird that I look back on it now, but I got teary eyed and I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Play football, play football. Yeah. That's it. That's it.
0: It just felt like just gave you a purpose and fulfillment.
1: Yeah. And it's because, um, football was a lot of things to me. It Mm -hmm. wasn't just X's and O's in a game. Um, you know, I, in some ways it was my father, um, i lost my dad when i was 10 years old okay um to liver cancer sorry um he was a big sports fanatic no no it's great I'm. Uh, thanks for that but yeah. i mean um you know it, it when something means so much to you you want to hold on to it mm-hmm. uh, and it's instilled in you it's, and it's instilled down. in you right right because he he immigrated from korea when he was 13 grew up in houston texas yeah and he knew the only way to assimilate to Western culture, and especially a Texas town like Houston, right? You got a ball. You got a ball. You got a ball out. Got to get under those lights. You got to. You got to get pair of cleats on and, yeah. and carry that, carry the rock. Mm-hmm. And he was running back and linebacker. We're the same height, same weight. Really? You he know, has big boys. You know, something in the water, man. Yeah. <laughs> something in that Texas water. Yeah, you drink enough of it, you'll <laughs> you'll start growing. Yeah. Um. So you know he. He had that chip on his shoulder and was after it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, sports became, you know, something different to him than it was to me.
0: Yeah, and you, I'm sure his generation, at you know, in his time playing yeah. football at that age and that time in in the in the world, it was he probably had more against him culturally, sure, sure. more to prove, sure, more on the line. Yes, um, so I can understand why that would become so important to him. Yes, to to not only succeed but to also
1: prove that he fit in and right he belonged right you know if you're the first asians on the block yeah you know and you're gonna say you're gonna play football and all three brothers are named chong yeah every <laughs> single one when they immigrated because in the korean language it's chong man oh uh-huh. and to be technical the O oh goes first so it's O oh chong one okay oh chong cook
0: Oh, so the last name is technically what we'd have what we'd call a first name. Yeah. Okay.
1: Well, yeah, and, and, and that that's what ties all of us is like, you know, obviously like the last name and it goes into like China, because they say Ho H O is the same as O H and it mm-hmm. goes down this like lineage. Yeah. Um but you know when you go through the immigration office they don't care about, you know, how you break it down in your culture. They're gonna give you yeah. what you what you have yeah. is Chong Man, Chong Cook, uh Chonghuan mm-hmm. Oh. And they're gonna give you that first as your first name, and that middle is just slightly different, than the same last name. So you have when you enroll three brothers that are only a few years age difference. Yeah, you got the same person. It's like as if you, you know, you're playing Madden or something. You have the same character. Yeah, you know, and and they wore similar numbers. All three of them were football players, and my really? dad was the oldest. So that factors in too. Of course. Um, so at, a, at an early age, you know, he was like, listen, this worked for me. It's going to work for you, son. So you're going you're gonna to play sports. You're going to be good at it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take you to the batting cages. And I'm going to be on the sideline for every game. I'm going to be the head on your shoulders, even though I'm working as a janitor overnight. Oh, wow. So I didn't get to spend much time with him uh Bonnett came to sports he was always there that was he was always had a blank there. check for sports always yeah didn't miss it yeah did and 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 the season before he passed he was actually an assistant coach oh wow and uh, i i can show you this painting i did uh my last senior thesis at at dartmouth was about that memory about um the last time my, of my da- with my dad yeah and then the last moments at Dartmouth. They were so congruent because there was so much love. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It went down the core roots of love and it all surfaced on a canvas. I didn't know what to do with all this emotion. I was like, yeah. I gotta put it on I gotta put it on something. Yeah, see what it looks like. See what it looks like. Filter it. Filter get it, it out. It, get it, let it out. Yeah. There's therapy and I and, That's beautiful. You know, um, I think a lot of times for us we are um therapy therapizing we're thera- we we're seeking therapy through um you know you're a painter like have you ever used painting as um your own, own source of therapy Ah,
0: uh, so i've always struggled with anything beyond realism mm. when i was in college when i did when i did painting in college or drawing in college i i was very realistic yeah i tried to be photorealistic. i wow know, got close but i was you know i was never as good as the people who can You know, draw something where you're like, is that a photo? Oh,
1: right, (laughs) like Rembrandt, like yeah, pastels, yeah. But um,
0: this quarantine, I started painting, and I've been sharing a lot on my Instagram. But yeah, just before quarantine hit, I was helping my buddy declutter his apartment. My friend Joe Carden, who was on the podcast previously, is a great episode, but. He's a little bit of a hoarder and he'll admit it. He's just had a he has this two bedroom apartment that was uh, just full of stuff and I'm really minimal. I'm really good mm-hmm. at getting rid of junk, keeping only the things that, that spark joy as Marie Kondo might say, yes, even though I don't right. subscribe to her philosophy necessarily, but I have a very Clean apartment, everything's put away, everything has a place, mm-hmm. no clutter. Mm-hmm. So I, we spent a day and he just like basically put on every piece of, piece of clothing he wore and I was mm-hmm. like, yes, no, maybe throw away, donate, keep. <laughs> like, and I was just like, You're I was so strict about yeah, it. Yeah. And it was, a, it was just a fun day, but he also had these spare canvases and he just was like, do you oh, want these? Man. And I was like, sure, I'll take these canvases. I took them home mm-hmm. and uh, quarantine hit and work just ground to a halt. I had no no purpose, no creative outlet, no spending six hours a day running around to auditions, no twelve right. hours a day on set, no right. you know direct bookings, no flying here, no flying there, yeah. And um, I put the podcast on hold just because social distancing, mm. and I was like, what the fuck am I like? Ma- I need to make, I need to make. If I don't create, I'm going mm. to start, <laughs> oh, wow. start destroying. Wow. I'm going to start I'm going to start destroying myself I'm going to you know, man. you know like yeah. it gets right. It's quarantine so everyone's like, "Well, let's just get drunk all the time." And <sighs> like, I had my time doing that, but like um I realized like if I yeah, and if I don't create, I'm going to destroy. So I started yeah. painting. Yes. And my nice. covid has been largely uh marked by a a series of paintings that I call my black period. Oh, cool! I did a lot of stuff with acrylics and graphite and um, a lot of like landscape scenes and then abstract landscape landscape scenes and just really trying to paint my feelings. And it was, Mm. it's all very dark and heavy, but has some element of lightness to it Mm. around the edges, sort of like a silver lining, if you will. Yeah. Um,
1: That was one of the titles.
0: No, but it, you could interpret it that way. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I thought
1: I for some reason saw it on on uh, <laughs> uh, did, did you title one of your pieces or, or the most
0: recent? They're all titled. The most recent was um Black Period Volume 1 because that, oh, okay, gotcha. that was the first. That gotcha. was the first one I did. Gotcha, That was the canvas my friend gave yeah, me. Yeah. And it's just kind of this um abstract x in oil yeah and um
1: wow maybe it has like uh, a little
0: bit of a like a little bit of a lining to it you know
1: i think yeah i saw it and then maybe even i my head was like silver lining yeah there you go you you figured it out i see it yeah
0: once you make art it's not it's no longer yours you give it away and it's up to everyone else's interpretation right but so yeah i've been i've been painting a lot and working on some other art projects but Mm. yeah that's really the first time i've ever been able to let go and just sort of Paint something that's not based in reality. That's based in my own emotion, in my own head, mm. and it it's felt good, and it's felt um, cathartic, and it felt like a good release mm. from all the pressure, and all mm. the tension, and all the isolation, and all mm. the madness and frustration. And you know, it's just the world's been it's been wow. hard to navigate, and it's yeah. hard, been hard to make heads or tails of. So, yeah. being able to have that outlet's been huge for me.
1: Yeah, man. And, and, um, you know, I guess, uh, y- y- you, uh, we were talking about therapy and paintings mm-hmm. and, um, I guess for me, the medium of football was my catharsis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess to some degree you could say I've been living in quarantine, uh, for many years really in terms of, uh, not yeah, playing football uh well i guess growing up in texas and oh, yeah. and, and playing football right yeah. like giving myself the permission to do that going back to that whole thing mm-hmm. and i think we all live a shell of ourselves a version in quarantine in isolation until we break free yeah um and when i gave myself that permission to to break free and just say you know this is what i love and i enjoy mm-hmm. there's catharsis in it um
0: and you're talking about the permission to, fo- to yeah to pursue football
1: right because i hated sports really i hated it
0: well it was something that was you know my dad's a big golfer and he tried to push golf on me exactly. and i railed against it and <laughs> i hated it i hated it And i right. was, was natural i had all the you know access in the world and i have a great natural golf swing i've been actually playing a ton of golf lately yo let's go oh i need time man i've been trying to get out I need to practice too yeah um but it's so frustrating because it's like, God, if I just would have played back then, right? would know, be a scratch <laughs> golfer. Yeah. But now it's like I right. have this great swing and I'm fucking shooting twenty over. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's you know, it just takes time. And sometimes that pressure is something as a youth, especially, you're gonna yeah. rail against. Yeah. But you yes. you still embraced football to some extent and found that you had that moment where you yeah. saw the fans filing out and you yeah. you felt a purpose and a sense of fulfillment and a drive yeah and that drove you all the way to an ivy league school where were wow. you recruited did you walk on how did you get onto the team there
1: yeah so um i started getting recruited really early on i would yeah. say my junior year um yeah. i started getting some pretty amazing offers and invites to small camps and um you know my dream is to go play at texas a&m mm-hmm. Uh, a college station, baby. Yeah. Gig'em Aggies. Yeah. Uh, and the reason behind that is because, um, again, going back to the country bumpkin in me, uh, it's out in the middle of the boonies in Texas, first of all. Right. And their fan base and their crowd and their support for their team and the school morale. There's mm-hmm. a sense of unity there. It's what you knew. Yeah. It's what I knew. I grew up going to their football camps there and there's another, uh, Vietnamese linebacker Dat win that played for the Dallas Cowboys oh, wow. that graduated from there. And, Every time I would go as a kid, you know, everyone was like, Oh, you know, I'm walking down the lunch line with my tray and a lady would scoop mac and cheese and plop it on my tray and say, You're gonna be the next dat win and I that meant the world to me. Yeah. You were like, Fuck yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. You prophesized it. <laughs> yeah. You said it. <laughs> it is written. Yeah, it, it yeah. is written. Let's go. And uh, that was me growing up uh, in middle school when I had that uh, shift. I hated sports, and all of a sudden, uh, my dad passed, and then uh, I felt his presence on the sideline. You yeah. know, he—he was still alive in the game, very much so. Yeah. Um. So I loved it. I wanted to do it. Uh, Texas A&M was one of them. They started recruiting me mm-hmm. as a preferred walk-on. Wow. And I started talking to Coach Egan, Egan, who was the D-line coach. Um. I don't know where he's at now, but thank you, Coach Egan, for distilling. Uh, this sense of vigor and passion. The man was old. When I when I say I'm sorry, Coach Egan. Uh, <laughs> you, he was old. I mean, he was the kind of guy that was all white, uh, hair, yeah, everything, head to toe, had uh, you know, uh, you know, this golden glow of skin mm-hmm. because he was in, outside all the time. I don't yeah. know if he was wearing sunscreen. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but, uh, you know, and it made his his hair even glisten more. And he had this voice, you know get on the line yeah get on the line he's like mickey from rock yes yeah yeah yes he was Mick. yeah yeah he was Mick, and um you know he i was like i'm gonna come to school i'm gonna play for coach egan and i'm gonna go to the nfl Mm -hmm. that was my dream that was my purpose yep and then all of a sudden i get all these other offers coming in rolling in rolling in you know smu was a big one Mm -hmm. army rice um let's see villanova was up there um colgate yep. yale brown damn um and then when so uh, you had the academics as well i had the academics as well and i'll thank my mom for that yeah uh because again i was you know quote unquote meathead Lifted weights a packed peanut butter banana sandwich had my protein shake yeah uh you know but you had the GPA too. I had the GPA too. And, yeah. and, and what did you get in
0: your SATs? Do, do not answer that. I was just kidding. Oh, man. <laughs> I actually didn't finish.
1: I'm a bad test taker. I'm a really bad test taker to this day.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Tests are hard.
1: Yeah. Papers, uh, you know, give me the time. I'll write write down my thoughts. You yeah. know, but you put a timer on and mm-hmm. you say this this 100 question multiple choice needs to be turned in in 45 minutes. I'll have a freak out moment. Yeah. I'll open up that Scantron yeah. and I'll,
0: <gasps> yeah. There's a lot of anxiety involved with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and um I think that, you know, you know, the the testing part which is what football is really, you know, you lift the weights, you run the you run the hills, yep. you you do the stretches. Yeah. And when it's game time, you put your hair down and you're you're ball playing Jesse. Yeah. And you could either think you could think about playing the game or you are in this flow that's a higher state yeah. of being that You know that you've put the reps in, now just let your body do the work. <sighs> Let's go. And yep. that was that's the stage, right? That's the acting, right? Mm-hmm. It's cause it's the prep work, it's the choices, it's everything yep. that we do before behind the scenes that no one sees. Yep. Uh and now you're seeing it. Oh that makes on so much sense. Right. Because I've talked a lot
0: about the pressure of when you step in front of the camera or the director calls action, I can be as nervous as hell. <laughs> but as soon as that happens, right. as soon as we, it, it's my time to go, Yeah, I do this thing where I'm able to just black out Zoom. and trust that I know what to do. Yep. And my body just does it. Mm. And then they call cut. And I'm like, <gasps> okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You black in. Yeah. You're like, <laughs>
1: guys, where was I? Yeah. You know.
0: But you just trust that you've yeah. put enough reps in yeah. and you have enough muscle memory yeah. and enough confidence mm. in your skills that mm. if you just let your mind go. Mm-hmm. you'll be okay mm-hmm. and that's the same as practice versus game mm-hmm. in football mm-hmm. I, w- right. I would say yeah right
1: right right and i think it's the responsibility of our you know gen z artists, myself um everyone else um that is maybe in a medical field or as a lawyer you know um you know not just acting but just to know what it takes to be in that prep mode and mm-hmm. to be ready when your name is called yep Yep. Um, you know, And also, you know, yeah. a team
0: aspect where yes, the guy
1: standing next to you is counting on you. The guy standing to the yes. right of you is right. counting on you. Right. And you can only love him by doing your job. Yep. You can only love him by doing your job. And that's imitated on set because the guy holding the boom, you could have a great, great, great take. And if sound's not rolling. Yeah. Wasted. No one will know about that take.
0: Yep. Could have been the best take of your life.
1: Of your life. You could have been Al Pacino. Yep. Hybrid Denzel Washington. Yeah. i'm trying to imagine what that looks like right (laughs) right yeah and i think the industry is starting to already merge to that road true yeah of you know we saw slowly the hoppas, the half this half that hapa's a big one you know and now it's like we want a full denzel you know we want a full al pacino Mm -hmm. and i think we're getting to the level of comfort to let everyone do their own job yeah and we see it in COVID-19, uh, the nurses are doing their job. Yeah. The grocery store clerks are doing their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, the doctors are doing their job. You know, the police, I won't get into the police. Um, we'll skip that we'll one. We'll skip that now. one. <laughs> yeah, I don't you know, you know you too know, much there. <laughs> and and in and, and, and no, no way, shape, or form do I want to um, slander or discount the amount of sacrifice that um, the government services are doing yeah. for the public safety. Yeah. Um, you know Timmy McManus's family. One of my best best friends from Dartmouth. His dad is a, a judge of Minneapolis, mm-hmm. and his younger brother is sorry, older brother, Uncle John. Nope, it's right. Younger, younger <laughs> is chief of police in Saint Paul, Minnesota. Jeez, where a lot of the George Floyd went down. Yeah. Um, and they're a big Irish Catholic family, and um, regardless of what we look. Like on the outside, I'll go bat. I'll go to bat for that family. Um, they let me live in their basement when I was in between seasons. Oh wow! Um, and I'm about to go to Timmy McManus's wedding, August 28th, and in Minnesota. Whoa, what? Are you gonna go? Is it, is it happening? It's gonna happen. It's happening. It's gonna happen. Very limited in their backyard. Yeah, they're gonna get you know do the actual service in in, in a chapel, mm-hmm. um, twenty minutes away from home, and then come back and then have a forty person get together in the backyard with a tent. Get some pong tables out, you know bust you know crack the keystone light, yeah, and uh flow
0: that sounds good to me yeah, that sounds great That's to me really under the
1: Minnesota sun <laughs> yeah, oh, let's
0: go, let's go
1: you know um yeah um but man, uh, as I digress you know getting back on the railroad tracks of uh, making those choices, yeah um, you know, we always study behavior, psychology i mean how, how would you say um, your time with your liberal arts studies and what developed you to where you are now, Mm -hmm. how much do you credit of that, um, into your flow now?
0: Um, I think my favorite thing about the liberal liberal arts education was you just get to try on a lot of the different hats at a young age. You know, so many kids have to go to these schools where I'm a business major at 18 and I'm going to take only business classes for four years. And I've made that decision and I'm stuck with it. Mm. Whereas I was able to take anthropology, Mm. psychology, sociology, natural sciences, economics, statistics, linguistics, art, art history. You know, you could try on all these different things and you had a couple of years to take a whole bevy of classes before you even committed to one track. And even after you committed to your major, you still had to take. Um, the requirements for your what is it core mm. requirements? Right, right, so you're right. You're right. required to take a variety of classes to graduate. Right. You even have to have language. To have a, there's language. We had to have a PE cre- We had to have three PE credits. We just had to pass a swimming test because
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's a river next to our school, the, yeah. the Connecticut River. The Connecticut River. It's very yeah. dangerous. Yeah.
0: Very, <laughs> but very rapids. So no, but yeah, I think you know. The classroom learning was one thing, and I wasn't the best student in college. I guess I didn't know what I, where I wanted to go, so I wasn't worried about my GPA because I wasn't worried about getting into med school or getting into these ex, you know these really mm-hmm. um, exclusive internships. So i I took out of classes as much as I wanted, and maybe my performance could have been better. But the social education I got, being surrounded by so many people who were so driven and so interesting yeah. and meeting people who had figured out what they wanted to do right? and just talking to them about that helped me just sort of rethink my own passions and my own desires. And that's how I was able to finally, you know, before it was too late, go from econ to English to studio art Mm -hmm. and then, you know, find my way into acting. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm curious for you, you know, you ended up, you got recruited by the school of your dreams as a preferred walk-on, mm-hmm. but you ended up at Dartmouth. And yeah, what was that experience like for you?
1: Uh, you know, um, my mom. I keep talking about my dad. I love you, mom. Uh, a little back background about my mom. My mom, you know, uh, piano major had me. Um, you know, my dad, you know, went went to Korea to find a wife. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, that's not true. My grandpa took him over there because, the, I guess, the current lady in houston that he was dating wasn't cutting it and he was like i'm gonna yep. go on a business trip son why don't you come along with me and i'll you know maybe some magic will happen you'll meet the girl of your dreams <laughs> you know and it and it happened yeah you know um he walked in a chinese food restaurant and my grandma on my mom's side saw him and she was like who is this guy walking in like a western cowboy right. uh but he looks korean linebacker oh yeah linebacker six yeah. two he's like wait who is this guy and you know she happened to have three daughters and walked up to my dad and was like how old are you where are you from? Mm-hmm. Got the breakdown, character breakdown, mm-hmm. and she said, um, you will be perfect for one of my daughters." I'm gonna set you up with Hedion. My mom is Helen. Uh-huh. I'm gonna set you up with my mom. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna set you up with my, my, my with my daughter and um, <laughs> uh, with my mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, imagine that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they they were scheduled to go to on a coffee date. And my mom, my grandma came back home. was like, hey, I got you a date. My mom freaked out. She said, you did what? Yeah. Set me up. Set me with who? I'm not going. This guy from Texas. I'm not going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No way. How awkward is that going to be? Yeah. And my grandma goes, well, this is before Instagram DMs, text. Right. AOL. We, he knows her family name. And I said, you'll be there tomorrow at this time. Yeah. You're going. Right. You're gonna go and at least entertain him for one coffee, and then you'll bail if you have to bail. But you're gonna go. My mom was like, "Okay, fine, I'll do it." Mm-hmm. So she went, you know, and they they hit it off. And um, my dad was scheming from day one. He was like, "You know, I haven't been back since I was 13, yeah. and I would love to see what South Korea has turned into." You know, he's in his 20s now, so he was like, "How about you just show me around?" yeah that turned into another date yeah another date you yep. know i got to go to my elementary now you know i have to hold on this used to be this let's go check this out you know and it just kept, kept going, going for two weeks and then he got on one knee and proposed
0: two weeks two weeks shoot your shot Woo! <laughs>
1: you gotta know i guess when you know you know you know you know and my mom said no okay because <laughs> she knew that it was not possible <laughs> she was like my life is in Korea everyone I know is in Korea I can't speak English you know I'm actually slated to be here and be a piano professor and during this time she was asked to be Miss Korea she was asked to be in a Coca-Cola commercial in in Korea and so you've got some modeling and
0: uh, acting in your
1: background right yeah. all for mom thank you mom i love you mom yeah thank you for that thank you for the genes and thank you for all the wisdom and forcing me to go to dartmouth which happened oh uh-huh. i can uh, see that yeah so so mom uh she she knew the value of education through my grandma and mm-hmm. you know my grandma was a daughter of a prince school principal during the korean war yeah during the korean war so when when Green World War happened. The country was poor and, and she had access to the school equipment, which is a piano mm-hmm. and all unlimited books. So she knew the value of education. My mom, that trickled in her blood. Yeah. And so as soon as the Ivies came knocking on our door, yeah. Matt you want to play a linebacker? Yeah. You know, and uh, my mom opened that door and set up the dinner table. So coach buddy Tevens had dinner at our, at our, at our house. And he's a charismatic guy. Let me tell you. As soon as Coach Buddy Tevens met my mom, mm-hmm. my mo- my mom met the charismatic, charm, yeah. loving players' coach essence of a person he is. Yep. Uh, you know, we scheduled our road trip up to Dartmouth mm-hmm. as soon as he walked out after that dinner. Yep. So we go up to Hanover. Mm-hmm. Springtime. Beautiful. You probably got a perfect day. Spring spring game. Yeah. Green key vibes. Yep. When uh, you visit,
0: it's always a perfect day. The when most you go there. Right. It's fucking miserable. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. So I committed on that trip. Really? I committed put in my early decision. I mean,
0: it's it's such an idyllic, beautiful yeah. northeastern, yeah. small liberal arts college. It's hard to it's beautiful hard to turn green.
1: down. That, yeah. that 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 library bigger library, bigger tower. Oh man, just picture Perfect, you know, yeah. quintessential. And if you're a lover of the woods and outdoors, exactly. this is an easy sell. Going yeah. back to our seven-year-old self. Outdoor kid. Outdoor kid, yep. just in the woods. Still in the woods. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so put an early decision. Came back home, knew I was going there. Um, it was hard, though. You know, I came back and it was a uh, – That's that was a uh, <sighs> – that was a reoccurring battle that I always faced internally was it was so tied to what my mom wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it ties back to what other people want. And mm-hmm. what my mom wants for me you know, is always wise and I believe that um, there's a deeper love that we will never know. Mm-hmm. And we can only know when we have kids. And I don't have kids, I don't have a wife, so I know I'm still learning and growing but it's her values and her lessons and what she uh, guides me along the way is the man I am today.
0: Well, it's also, no pun intended, this very beautiful marriage between what your father wanted for you and what your mother wanted for you. Wow. You know?
1: Wow. Athletics and academics. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting, man. And I think after he left... Me on the football field, literally. Um, I was internalizing that and I still did through and after college. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I held on to the game yeah. for so long afterwards. Because, um, again, like you saw, our buddies took off. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wall Street, let's go. Yeah.
0: Making big bucks yeah. real fast that they don't deserve. Analysts, let's go. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> I was playing palm with this guy for yeah. four nights in a row. <laughs> yeah, My dad always says, like, you know, all my friends become consultants and they're making big six-figure salaries right out of school. And my dad goes, "What the hell do they know how to consult about? (laughs) They're idiots." Lining up a tree. (laughs) Yeah.
1: This is, you know, was that a half cup or was that a a hundred
0: and fifty-five beers in a keg? Yeah, yeah. This many people.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) And each tree formation is seven beers. Yeah. (laughs) So you play two games. You're feeling it. Yeah. You're feeling. Oh, you're feeling it. You're feeling it. Yeah. Um, Which I missed that game so much. Um. By the way, my buddy has a place in Culver City with a pong table and paddles, well, so... Let's, oh, let's, let's go. Let's go! Afterwards. Right, right. Let's um, go. So
0: once you got to Dartmouth and you started playing football, did the dream of going pro continue or did that sort of... Yeah, did, yeah, did, did yeah, that Did that sort of shift?
1: Yeah, it continued. And again, you know, I scratched and clawed and hung on probably longer than I should, um, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. But I won't second guess my past. You know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. Um... And again, that comes with the responsibility of like making your choices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the training I, I received from football helped me with the rejection I face as an actor and a model now.
0: Yeah, I could see that. You're getting, you're getting literally your face shoved in the mud, right? Time after time, right? And acting and modeling is the same way, except for you're getting your face shoved in the mud in this weird anonymous way that almost hurts more. Yeah, because you can't taste the grass and you the can't. dirt. You can't you just just are left sitting alone (laughs) wondering why. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. And you're either on the subway in New York City taking the L train back to Brooklyn thinking about that, or you're in LA traffic in your car thinking about it. Yeah.
0: Overthinking about it.
1: Overthinking about it. Getting into this rabbit hole of self-pity and failure and comparison and Oh man, the list goes on, and you know, um, as an athlete, you go to the weights and you go back to the drawing board of of let's how do I train more efficiently? Right. Progress. Progress. Linear progression. Measurable progress. Yep. Um, I've been reading this book called The Lean Startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, that's a promo drop. Uh, don't get nothing from it, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's a free ad. It's a free ad. Yep. Uh, and the first the real thing they get into is called measurable progress. When you start anything in life, um, company endeavor, a dream, uh, Denzel said it best goals are only dreams, only dreams unless you have goals. Yeah. Um, and we only only measure how close we get to that dream by achieving those goals. And that comes with hard work. Yeah. Every day in and day out, uh, you pump out the reps or you get up early and you go run, you Mm -hmm. know, you 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 learn about the body in the process and you learn about your potential but the most important thing is you learn about the gifts and what the universe has given you instilled inside of you yeah and we are creation right Mm -hmm. um you know there's a sovereign being um i believe is god that has gifted us each individually through a love that is way greater than what we can comprehend even when we become parents Mm because You know uh, the greatest uh, one in his kingdom is one that has childlike faith,
0: yep, yeah. childlike faith, and like you said, you know you can have dreams, but you have to have goals, and you can have goals, but the only only thing you can control is moving toward those goals. You could set a goal saying in one year, I want to be a full-time model. I want to not have a side job. I want to quit my Uber. (laughs) I want to quit my bartending. I want to quit whatever I'm doing to support my income. And you can take all the steps you can. You can get better headshots. You can work on your onset presence. You can work on your agency connections. You can work on building your book. You can do all these different things to move towards that goal. You cannot guarantee that that goal will happen in one year. Mm -hmm. But as long as you're moving towards it, Mm -hmm. that's all you can control. Right. And it might take a year and a month. It might take eight months. It might take two years. But as long as you're moving towards it and having measurable progression, measurable results, as you mentioned in the book, like that's, as long as you're doing that, you can know that you're doing your best. Otherwise you can sit around and say, oh man, I want to win an Oscar one day Mm -hmm. and hope that you get discovered walking down Hollywood Boulevard, but Mm -hmm. good luck. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Right, right. And you know, if there's a, if there's a sovereign written in the stars, you know, fate, destiny for that person walking down Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. More power to you, man. Keep sure. walking that walk. You know, walk, walk with power and purpose. Yeah. And flip your hair once in a while, and the wind hits it right. You yeah. know, and yeah, and and see where the sun is beaming. Get that good light, like you're saying. You always find the always good find light. Find the light. Yeah. Always find the light, and um, yeah, you know, um. It, and I think everyone has a different walk, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone has their Hollywood Boulevard, whether that's down the aisle of a hospital, mm-hmm. or if it's down the aisle of a subway station, or you know, Into we, a right, in the courtroom, right? In the courtroom, and the list goes on. And you're and, it, and and you're right. Like, God, please grant me the serenity and the peace to. Um, control what I can control mm-hmm. and the wisdom to know the difference between what I can control and I cannot control
0: Yeah, and what you can control is walking into that audition room with confidence kindness, warmth and a realization that if you walk out of that room and you don't book the job you didn't lose anything because you walked in there without a job and you're walking out <laughs> without a job
1: Wow, what a what a dude! I didn't even think about it
0: that yeah, way. Yeah, that's uh, wow. I think Killian told me that one. It's uh, you, you didn't lose something you never had.
1: Wow. So um, ain't that something?
0: Just yeah, have that confidence. Find yeah. your light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> find yeah. your light in in any way possible. Yeah. And um. Yeah. So real quick though, I'm just curious. Football, professional route didn't pan out. I'm sorry that you're not, I'm not watching you on TV right now. No. Even though there's no football. Right. Um, wow. But what was the first jump into modeling? What was the first jump into yeah. taking that performance aspect of playing football yeah. and translating it into what you're doing now?
1: Yeah. You know, again, you know, turbulent road, a failure after failure, rejection after rejection um, out of college. I had a couple of chances with some pro teams. I mm-hmm. uh, had two pro days. Actually, I had one at Dartmouth and then another one at University of New Hampshire. Yeah. Um, talked to scouts at the Chiefs, uh, the oh, Raiders. Um, you know, they, they got my 40. They got my bench press. They got all the measurables that they needed. Um, took it to their boards and their draft boards. Um, the draft came that year. I was not on any of the boards. Yeah, Um, you know, and that was a tough pill to swallow. I'm sure, Um, especially doing a fifth year because you do just your season that fall, and you you're done. Like you're you're you know you pack your pack up your dorm room, pack up everything, and you're out. And for me, that was at the end of a football season. So great timing, great Mm -hmm. timing to get ready for Pro Day, which is you know the the draft is you know early in the year. Yeah. But if you don't catch fire, you're at home.
0: Yeah, you're, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah.
1: You're at home. Yeah, so I went home. I went home. I went I went home. Um, I went back to the drawing board. I started lifting and running like I've never run before, lifted like I never b- did before. Because that's what you knew. That's, I, that's what I knew. Yeah. And I was like, the more I do these things, the more I can guarantee my next team. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets slippery and tricky. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're doing these things, but you can go in overdrive. And um, that was me always in college. Um, Buddy Tevens had this anecdote, this metaphor, if you will, about the army, the military. They go into battle and you have in a color spectrum for painters, um, you know, you have white and you spectrum all the way to black in between. You have every color. Right. Uh, so white is oblivious. You don't care. You don't know what time it is. You don't, you don't know what side of the bed you woke up on. And yeah. you go to yellow and all of a sudden you're more locked in. You start to, okay, this is my job. This is my duty. And you get mm-hmm. to red and you're like, okay, I'm hitting all my objectives. I'm hitting my yep. targets. I'm, right. I'm I'm performing. Then you get to the black. And when you start easing into the black, you're you're starting to over your friendly fire. Yeah, you're you're doing your job, but sure, you're harming other people, right. maybe yourself. Right. And you spill over from the black, and you get into the ozone. Yeah. And my name is Matthew O, and he specifically <laughs> named the ozone after me, is because I would lift like and I would run like uh like a maniac sometimes. Yeah. Overtraining. F- I would forget. Overtrain.
0: Yep. Overtrain.
1: Overtrain. o-vertrain. <laughs> yeah yeah um so i guess you could say i became obsessive of that feeling of control Mm -hmm. and when you die to the craft and you die to the training and you die by the sword you die by the sword yeah you die by the sword and that failure tastes like nothing else when you go balls to the wall and you put in all the sweat, blood, and tears mm-hmm. into something and it doesn't pan out the way you want it to, right. you you become like, you go to bird's eye view of your life. Yeah. You zoom out. You, you know. have to. Yeah, You have to zoom out. Yeah. And you see where the chips lay. Because you've been so zoomed in for so right. long. You're still looking at the texture of the, the micro, paint. yeah. <laughs> you know? And then you go... <laughs> And you see the whole painting and you're like, oh. And
0: your painting was, I've got some abs. Let me put them to work. Oh my gosh. (laughs)
1: Underneath 50 pounds of of mass. True, yeah. I was 255 pounds with an 18-inch neck and a 38-inch waist.
0: Whoa. Those are not modeling specs. No,
1: (laughs) no. And again, that goes back to the control of becoming something that I thought was my destiny mm-hmm. that I made up. Yeah. That I drew up. Mm-hmm. That I lifted for. And as a lot of bodybuilders, a lot of people in fitness and health, very interesting how they perceive their bodies. It's almost like they perceive it as clay. Yeah. They oh, like can a sculptor, yeah. Sculpt. You know, I Arnold, need a little Arnold more here. About that. Right, yeah. right, right. Exactly. Um, and man, do I love that guy's hustle? Um and uh You know, just like anyone's hustle in any facet of life, you know, when they devote so much of themselves and it manifests Mm -hmm. and it delivers and the sovereign power by grace allows it to happen, Mm -hmm. it's incredibly inspiring. Yep. It's incredibly inspiring. And I guess... My big drive for me as a Korean American athlete was that I wanted to somehow manipulate, control, mold, make, make it into a sculpture and do be that. Mhm. But when it didn't work out, that died for me. Mhm. And it was no longer that and I became free. Yeah. I came out of that shell.
0: Yeah, you were let I broke free. Let loose in a way
1: let loose you know and it goes back to that quarantine of myself all of a sudden i was free man i was i was free from getting under a 350 pound squat bar Mm -hmm. at 8 a.m every day and guzzling down three shakes yeah five meals yeah you know i see dwayne johnson the rock and his diligence and his motto chicken and rice chicken and rice yeah and you eat it as if it's your job you don't you don't eat it because it's tasty no no no
0: you're forcing it down
1: you're yeah and and that's in any way shape or form if you have to blend it and drink it you blend it and drink it yeah you you hit a certain macros and i think uh, that journey of like learning about the body and fitness and food definitely pays into what i do now yeah uh to the 10th degree and now um It's a different approach, though. It's more out of love Mm -hmm. and instead of a language of I have to Mm -hmm. or I think I have to. Right. It's just um, a language of love.
0: Yeah. I mean, you seem more balanced now. You're you're obviously in great shape, but you're not carrying around... Fifty to sixty extra, (laughs) seven—I don't know—seventy extra pounds of weight that you don't need unless it's for this very specific occupation, which is a football player. Yeah, you seem like you're, you're, um, you're still in love with fitness and taking care of your body. You you know, there's this great spread of superfoods in front of us, which I've been trying to avoid because I know people don't like mouth sounds on the microphone. But yeah, we'd be, um, be. yeah. Well, what i almond butter, yeah, banana Um, bread. But yeah, it seems like you found a balance where you can be this athlete, and you can you can exercise your love for for fitness and purpose, and you've just redirected it into this new career.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I you know on, to be honest with you, I don't know if I could take credit for for the redirection re, the redirecting of the sails. You know, I think it's just the wind. Yeah, you know, the wind shifted, mm-hmm. and I just had to adjust my sails. Um, and was it, did you get
0: scouted? Was it just, you started trying
1: out test shoots? Was it, it was, um, I got cut, uh, from the CFL. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That's when, that's when everything went down, you know, moved back home. I was on an arena squad. got a $250 paycheck per week. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, but on my way to Nebraska against the Nebraska danger, we're going to take a bus up I 35 from Dallas, Texas. Yeah bunk bed bus fun up to nebraska with 30 grown men <laughs> uh and a lot of those guys <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> massive 350 yeah. pound you know <laughs> goliaths of of men um they, they got on board with like philly blunts and you know six pack and yeah you know everyone treated it like it was just a a stop for the next thing and no mm-hmm. one really took it seriously they're they're going up to have a good time yeah and i got a call then and they're like, hey, you know, your 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 numbers from uh, your pro day have uh, leaked into the CFL, and there's some scouts that are um, very interested in you um, to bring you in a, a, a immediately tonight. Yeah. Tonight, hold on, I'm on a bus full of all these men. Yeah. What do you mean tonight? No, get off the bus. Get off the bus. Get off the bus. Wait, no, like, my bags are packed. Like I'm on the bus with the team. Do you want to go to Canada or not? Yeah excuse me can can we stop this bus uh so i can take a stop real quick <laughs> i mean, what you mean man like what do you mean stop the bus we got a game to play we yeah. forget something yeah no no i i think i have to get on a flight to buffalo new york tomorrow morning and everyone knew what was up you know everyone was on that bus the same thing if someone else got a phone call it was the same thing yeah so i got off the bus went up to buffalo they picked me up we drove across the border and uh, I hit up Sean Abuhoff, who was also a Dartmouth cornerback, all IV, an incredible, one of the best defensive backs to this day that I've ever played with, mm-hmm. and a punt returner, mm-hmm. and a guy that had – was on the draft boards for the NFL but landed in the CFL. Yeah. So the like Canadian football. Canadian Football League. Canadian football league. Yeah. And I was like, Bro, like, yo, we're gonna be on the same squad again. Like let's go. Like, yeah. you know, just let's let's do this. You know, like I'm so happy you're there. It's only gonna help each us us out, you know. Yeah. Let's go, and I and I get in super late at night around midnight. Uh, drag my luggage into the bed. You know, it's been a whirlwind. Like I barely packed, and which could be a transitional pivotal moment in my life. Maybe start a whole life in Canada. Right. Get there with one piece of luggage. Get in my bed. Um, Clem, my roommate. Clem, man. Uh, Clem. Uh, wow. He he rolled a, on the other side of his bed, looked at me, and said, "Yo, man. Uh, what's up, dude? I'm Clem." Uh, you know, welcome. Um Here, I have this closet. You can have this closet. Mm-hmm. Yo, man. uh You know, was there someone here? Because this bed looks like it was slept in. Like, and he goes, yeah, bro. um There was a guy that just packed up and left maybe three, four hours ago. Weird. Oh. <laughs> His name is Sean Abu. Sean Abu. Like, he was from this small school in New Hampshire. Um... Yeah, man. But, you know, they just cut him.
0: Oh, shit. So that was your boy. (laughs) He just got cut. I.
1: Welcome to pro football. Yeah. Welcome to pro football. I got a taste of it as soon as I landed. Yeah. Literally. Literally. I was laying in my teammate's bed. Yeah. Know that I had practice at 7 a.m. And it was midnight and I'm laying in Sean's bed. Yeah. So I was already freaking out. (laughs) My bad. When am I going home already? You know, when am I going home? And uh, I was so thankful I lasted through preseason and uh, got to play in Toronto. It was my first pro game. Yeah. Super undersized, 255-pound defensive end with his hand in the dirt. You know, I tried as as hard as I could to get as heavy as I could, but I'm lining up against – close to 400 pound linemen that could move like ballet dancers
0: yeah yeah literally (laughs)
1: and that was my last game that was my last uh game in the CFL. that was one game one stop shop Mm -hmm. uh come back to hamilton we play in toronto you know uh come back and go to bed and Wake up feeling like an all-star, man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yo. Yeah, like regular season starting up soon. Like, yeah. Finally get my rookie check. Like one more game to go into pre- into preseason, and we're in it. And uh, I woke up the next day, got breakfast, came back to my locker, my bags were packed.
0: That's how they do it. Fuck.
1: Everything neatly packed in a duffel bag, and. No one talked to me. No one talked to me in the locker room. It's
0: just like getting that like that card in your locker. That card, yeah, yeah. 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 tag.
1: That tag. Got my tag and...
0: And so you just went back home. Walked
1: outside and... Coach, is there anything I can do? Matt, uh, there's a shuttle that will be here outside in 15 minutes to the airport. You can be on it. You can be on it. <laughs> Whoa. Cold. So, quickly go to your dorm. Yeah. Get your stuff. Because... Um, that that shuttle goes all the way to Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> that was the longest shuttle ride home, man. Dude, that's heartbreaking. I called everyone back in Dallas and said, I'm on my way home, guys. I'm on my way home. And uh, yeah, I was getting ready to just look my mom in the eyes and just let her know that I have no idea what I'm doing.
0: Because right, that was kind of, at that point, you must have been like, no more chance. Like, this is, yeah, that's this it. is the end of the road. Yeah. This is the last shuttle
1: home. Yeah. That's when I had my first taste of L.A. Really, I had a alumni, Mr. Brendan Mahoney, class of I believe '79 was a mm-hmm. running back with Coach Buddy Tevens. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I get the year wrong, I apologize, Mr. Mahoney. Um, but you changed my life, uh, and I want to address that. Is that um, again through the Dartmouth ties, I would have never had a chance to pick up a job and. Uh, internal wholesaling for American funds. I was selling 33 mutual funds uh, on the phones with, you know, series licensing. You know, I was getting my training and I was 10 months into the job. And then, you know, Montreal called and said, you're going to get another shot in the CFL. Oh gosh. (laughs) What do I do? And I, and I knew this was coming. So I saved all my vacation time, two weeks of vacation time. And I went up there again and didn't tell anyone in my finance job. Yeah. Didn't tell anybody. Yeah, guys, I'm gonna go to Canada. I'm gonna go to Montreal for vacation. Montreal. You, you don't want to go to Bahamas? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So I went, and then uh, I spent my entire ten days of vacation paid time. And then on the last day, I was like sweating bullets because they still hadn't cut me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, maybe I'll catch on now. Do I need to start putting in my resignation at my finance job? Right. You know. And I remember having that moment of clarity i had had my middle school like i'm gonna do pro football moment again resurface and i was like sink or swim hustle or grind i just need to be on this path for just a little bit longer because i still want to play yeah so i called mr mahoney and we had a really hard talk called coach Stevens had a hard talk yeah called the people that meant the most to me that I considered as father figures in my life. Sure. Um, I hit him up and I just, you know, wanted to be very sincere and honest and I think the plea of every boy to man cry. Um, so, you know, I was just very honest and uh, put in my resignation. I had the most awkward moment ever in my finance job. Stood up in front of my cubicle with everyone around me stand up and I had to give a farewell speech. Right. And um I would have only had that opportunity just because I went to Dartmouth. There was no special skill that I had, no financial background, no nothing. Yeah. And it was a favor that was extended to me and because were, I was in the pits, because I was unemployed. Yeah. you were home. giving it up. Yeah. Yeah. And Yeah, and that's yeah. tough. Yeah. It was like I, I it was like I was wanna, you know, give back my get out of jail free card. Mm-hmm. And I returned it and I put it in someone's face. Yeah because um, the people I was sitting next to my best friends to this, some of my best friends, uh, Phil Packard was a guy that sat next to me that worked his way up from IT tech, mm-hmm. you know, went into marketing, then found himself in sales, put in a seven year grind to get into sales. And like, here I am without any licenses, just like coming in like, Oh, you have sponsored training. Like, yeah. who the hell is this Ivy league prick? And then you're going to give it up to go play footy football. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can see how that would sting. In a lot of hard ways. yeah
1: and i gave that speech kind of looking down at the ground yeah um you know and, and i was living in irvine man it was like the quintessential perfect like you know you ready for the next phase of life like have a family here
0: yeah it's lovely here it's lovely here no seasons beautiful <laughs> weather clean yeah
1: <laughs> you know and so you know i jumped off a cliff then i jumped literally head first in a cliff and i found myself in a basement in minnesota uh, at Timmy McManus's house yep. um they believed in in my in I guess my vision still uh not you know they didn't know about my mission they're like uh oh, Matt you know football you know it ends for everybody and my favorite football coach of all time Don Dobbs was my last linebacker's coach in in college before it was about money now mm-hmm. and so he said to me very wise words he said the game will be done with you before you're done with the game Mm. And I take that into acting. Ooh. Yeah, I take that into acting. So everyone that's has their love, time. Yeah. yeah, everyone has their time. Everyone has their moment of like, da da, like I'm in the spotlight or, you know, mm-hmm. and that's your your brief moment. And um, I had my high school football coach that you want to play in the NFL. NFL stands for not, not for
0: long. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's the average career is like two to four years or something? Two. Yeah, two years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and they I'll go bankrupt. Right, and the average life expectancy right now, according to medical statistics, is age fifty-five. CTE. Uh, yeah, I'll CTE. Yeah, yeah. And we can uh, we can leave that for another podcast. Yeah. And I would love to speak on that because I was able to serve on the board of uh, trustees for USA Football. Yeah. Uh, after I played on Team USA, so Minnesota. From there, I went to Japan, played for Panasonic in Osaka, which mm-hmm. was an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, came back, played for Team USA in Ohio, then from Ohio. And that head coach was from Montreal. Okay. So it all ties in yeah. based on not my capabilities or my strength. It was the good Lord putting in the right people at the right time for me. Yeah, and being open to it. And being open to that and mm-hmm. listening to that and uh, just trusting ties and connection. Like I feel very tied and connected with you in so many ways. Like, oh, bro, I feel like I've known you for 20 years, man.
0: It only takes a good hour of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: You know, so so just going with the flow with that and, mm-hmm. um, you know, modeling acting like you initially had asked started for me in that Minnesota basement. In that Minnesota basement? The, the classic basement. modeling Iron and, and, sorry. Yeah, 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 right. I was bagging groceries at Trader Joe's, you know, working security at Sneaky Pete's in Minneapolis, very close to where George Floyd was um, murdered. Oh, wow. Um, on that same strip. Mm-hmm. Um, working at four bars um, as a bar back security, just anything, anything, yep. anything that gave me hourly wage and I scheduled my time all around my expenses of training in the morning with a guy named Roger Erickson, mm-hmm. who's, who was the strength and flexibility coach for still is Minnesota twins and the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, cool. Ray Lewis's last season. Yep. Michael, by the way, was just in Baltimore, uh, shooting for under armor, under armor. That's great. Um, yeah. you know, full circle. Um, and uh, under armor being you know one of the greatest i think fitness uh was, jobs is real goal. ever yeah. ever book ever I, you know and and yeah that you know raj was around those elite athletes and um you know all in baltimore all in maryland and so i was training with this guy mm-hmm. uh and um training with this guy and Raj uh, is just like a thesaurus or encyclopedia for stretching, mm-hmm. uh, learning about the body. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, during this time Timmy was like, hey man, you know, you're really getting into this fitness thing and learning from this, you know, Yoda. He was like yeah. a Yoda yeah. of fitness, the sage, the sage, old man kid. Sorry, Raj, I didn't mean to call you old. The guy can do splits. I'm talking put his belly chest on the floor in the splits yeah he can pull his right leg over his back of his behind his head yeah and still be talking with you just like it's nothing like it's nothing yeah you know at ease um and that was a year um when he went to baltimore you know ray lewis and ed reed that beautiful defensive squad that oh, was mm-hmm. the squad right, like right. as a linebacker that was the squad that i watched religiously yeah the energy vigor passion that they brought to the game in that city of Baltimore talk about inspiration and hope yeah through a medium that we call football mm-hmm, mm-hmm. led by some men that stood up for something bigger than just them you know they were about building a community um building a city you know utilizing their platform and their fame of being an athlete yeah for a greater purpose for a greater purpose right um and ray lewis when that man speaks whoo he speaks. He speaks. Yeah. And the hairs on the back of my neck speak. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh Raj was with that crew, mm-hmm. and he got to rub shoulders with you know my quote unquote heroes. And he and he told me about their day-to-day and their flow, their mindset, how they viewed the game, how they viewed manhood, how they viewed the craft yeah. and responsibility, money, everything. Right. How they conducted themselves. And he brought it right back to the basics, you know. Just taking care of your body, and taking your mind. care of your body, right? Yeah. And so when I was growing into that and embracing that, Timmy was like, "Hey, I know someone that uh, is modeling here in Minnesota." Yeah. And uh, it's called Agency Models and Talent. Yeah, there's a lot. I know uh, El- Emily Valdez came out of
0: Minnesota, and no she's way. a huge Wilhelmina model. She was on the podcast. No way. And she started when she was like eight years old. What wow. It's a it's a big training ground. Minnesota, it? yeah no so you were in the way. right spot at the right time i guess
1: no way yeah emily was she commercial or was she she's,
0: fashion um, or? she does a lot of ecom she did a lot of work for zappos but she does a lot of fashion a lot of beauty wow. um she's she's an incredible model that's yeah. that's a really good episode to listen to for
1: anyone. what, what number is it do you know which episode it is
0: <sighs> it's it's her name it's oh, like, okay it's that, like maybe okay. episode eight it's, it's down towards wow. the beginning yeah because
1: i saw you're on 34
0: You're going to be 33 or four, Yeah.
1: 33 or 34. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. So what, what's that process been like for you? I mean,
0: it's been great. I mean, this is like my favorite thing that I do because really in this age of phones and technology and distraction to put your phone on silent and sit down and have a look, look someone in the eyes and have an hour long conversation with them, you know, and we don't know each other that well, but Mm -hmm. after this hour (sighs) we will. And you know, it's just, um, I get get just as much out of it as I hope any listener does. And I just enjoy the process. I just, I think people's stories are fascinating. I think you can learn so much from them. And the modeling community is a weird sort of anonymous community where you have these little micro friendships on set every day and you have these conversations with Hmm. people and you realize that they're not all vapid, shallow idiots. And (laughs) most of them are actually really hardworking, deep, smart, interesting, funny people. And I wanted to bring some of that to the world on a platform that I thought would be useful, which was podcasting. So Yeah,
1: yeah. You're uh, you're saying we do more than just shave our body and oil up ourselves and look at look at ourselves in the mirror. I mean
0: we do some of that. (laughs) But we do a little bit more too.
1: Yeah, when the job entails swimsuit or something, right? Yeah, Speedo. Um, I've
0: I've definitely shaved a lot of my body. <laughs> you're right, right? Yeah. Oh, you were, you did a Speedo shoot. I've done a bunch of stuff for Speedo. I do I do runway shows for Speedo. Oh no way! Yeah, runway for I've, Speedo. I've talked about it before. No it's way. very
1: vulnerable. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Was that in L.A. or which? which That's in Irvine, actually, at in their headquarters. Irvine. Yeah,
0: but yeah. So I've done a lot of the fitness stuff, and it seems like you're probably in that world too now after making the move from Minnesota to LA.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, the, from the basement to another football field to another football field, another another football field, and that football field happened to be New York City. Yeah. Um and then that league went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um some unknown named person um basically stopped the league for financial reasons. Uh-huh. And um what a lot of guys that were on this path in this dream. Johnny Menzel had time in the FXFL. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he cut it short. Yeah. Cut it short. Mm-hmm. Four games in, and every single team folded. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot of homeless guys. Yeah. A lot of homeless guys that they're paying for housing and meals. Right. All of a sudden you have homeless guys that are either going home or you have a sister that is in New York City with a couch in Lower East Side. Sounds like that's what you did. That became my home. Yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah. Then I got an apartment on my own mm-hmm. um, in Bushwick, mm-hmm. Brooklyn, in a five-person duplex. And I was living in the basement. Yep. I keep returning to basements
0: yeah you seem to like like basements yeah and here we are on the ground floor
1: of an apartment in, in la yeah um so yeah you know I spent five years in New York and um a couple of seasons in miami mm-hmm. and here I am in la uh you know let's see my first day in la was in march of 2019 so here we are and yeah
0: just over a year later just just over a year well you've made it thus far and hopefully i mean work's starting to come back i'm i'm starting to get some jobs so fingers crossed the industry starts to return to some sort of normalcy if we can keep this covid thing under control which Mm -hmm. i don't know if we're doing a very good job of that right now yeah um but i mean your story is beautiful man i love how we brought it full circle in so many different ways and i love that idea of you know not quarantining yourself in terms of what you think you may need to do wow. or what you think is your purpose and sometimes those negatives where something doesn't work out can end up being a positive because you do get set free and mm-hmm. failure sets you free in a lot of ways and you know Conan O'Brien has talked a lot about that like when he lost the Tonight Show and it sort of just opened him up to do whatever he wanted and you know you gave football your all I don't think anyone can argue that you 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 beat the dirt until there was no more dirt left to beat but I hope that you found um, an equal sense of fulfillment and purpose in the performance Mm. on set as opposed to the performance on the field Mm. where you know it's the grips and the PAs that are watching you mm. as opposed to the fans in the stands. Mm. So, um, mm. yeah. Thank wow. you for sharing, man. I think it's Thanks, all, man. Yeah. it's all really inspiring and I hope yeah, people learn a lot from it.
1: Yeah. No, thank you for making the time, man. Yeah. Um, dude, I, through the circuit, you know, obviously I heard about you and what you're doing and how inspiring that is for me as someone looking Across the ta- this table right now, yeah, uh, with a guy that with these is, snacks that we're about to eat, yeah, with these <laughs> snacks we're about to just destroy. Yeah, um, a guy that's you know older than me that you know kind of, I guess we have so many roots, so many similar ties. You know, yeah. still um, doing his thing. You know, making Black Volume Series One. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, doing these podcasts. You know, you ooze creativity. You ooze positive love, Thank and you me. ooze. um, just this connectivity to want to highlight other people's stories
0: yeah that's, that's my goal with this um, for sure. yeah
1: and i think like i didn't even get to ask you about your long-term vision but like you're living what i see as using other people's stories and you're curating and asking the questions to only bring this positivity and the reminder that we really aren't in control we're not and
0: i think in a word, my vision is just curiosity. Yeah. I think if you want to be an interesting person, be interested. Yeah, Stop worrying about what other people think of you and yeah. start wor- worrying about other people and being curious about them and their wow. story. Right. And the more you do that, the yeah. more you'll learn, the more you'll pick up on, and then the more interesting you'll be. Right, um, right, right. So that's my little philosophy, and that's why I steal time from people like you, because oh, man. I think you're interesting.
1: Dude, um, that curiosity is amazing, man. And like you were talking about that curiosity, how we put it, put it on set. You know, we had yep. this shot like curiosity from the very beginning. And for some strange reason, it's called the greatest faith in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that curiosity, right? Like, what is, what is that? Like, how do we put that on? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I compare it so much to acting. Like when you're on set. Uh, and, you know, I have so much more to grow as an actor and, and to, oh, we all do, yeah. you know, and I'm no expert, no master in it. Uh, but some of the most uh, resonating and truthful lessons that I've learned from previous um, acting coaches is that um, when you make choices, you become free as an actor. Mm hmm. When you, when you make a choice on who, what, when, where, how, why, the moment before your character, where they were, who, right, what's their exactly. relationship to the the everybody before else. Yeah, you know, you you, you, you said um, interesting, right? Like, how, how do you become interesting on camera? And, um, you know, I saw with my own eyes when, when actors, you know, when we were in school, uh, went through a couple programs in New York, when actors make these choices, um, they're so interested Mm -hmm. in their choices Mm -hmm. they become interesting to watch
0: oh that's interesting never thought about it that way
1: they are so engulfed and riveted into their imaginary world they're living truthfully in their world um but they're living in an imaginary circumstance
0: oh someone's taken james rice before Uh, (laughs) and
1: and aren't we playing as kids you know aren't we aren't we embracing the wonder of a seven-year-old child on set
0: that's what we're trying to do. Just you know, trying to play.
1: Yeah, and is it really acting if we are just behaving like psychology? Full circle. There you go. Um, Sometimes
0: it. Ah, when you get those moments where you're really in it, you, in that line between acting and playing and being, it all gets muddled. That's when it feels, when it feels the best.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And it's hard
0: to find, but it's there.
1: Right. Right. And and you know, paralleling that to. My very graciously lucky patient. Other teams are so patient to have me on as on, onto their squad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing as you know an athlete. We're going back to game day when you're on that stage. You know you've already made your choices on how you're going to prep the hard work that's going to go into it. Yep. And all of a sudden you get there and you're free. You know the hours react, that we spend. Yeah. yeah. You know the hours we spend in isolation prepping for uh, a role, an audition. Yeah an audition, like you you put in another level of blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. Like you go to the depths of yourself and also you create an imaginary situation that you are comfortable believing in wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm thankful for that parallel that I was yeah. able to tie into. And that script is just my playbook. It's just the X's and O's. You got to know your X's and O's. You got to know them. You got to know your words. But then, when it comes down to,
0: to after the snap, things are going to happen that weren't planned. Wow! And you need to be ready to react to them. Yep. And it's not if you follow those X's and O's to a T, and you only do what you can, can thought you could control, you're going to blow it.
1: Right, it's a pass play. Yeah. But you're still like playing it like a run play. Exactly. The quarterback has thrown the ball 30 yards down the field Yeah, and you're still <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know thumb in the dirt like still playing around. Like yeah. you, the ball is gone. You got to adapt and move. Like mm-hmm. you you got to react, right? So how do you how do you stay true to that? Is you've already done the work. You've already done the done prep. The work. You know, muscle memory. And then when, play. Yeah, and then play. Practice and play. The play. And it was, what's amazing is that, like, when in a fat offensive lineman drops in pass set, you know it's going to be a pass. You mm-hmm. don't have to see the quarterback drop back. Yeah. Because you've repped it a thousand times. Yeah. And you've studied tape. You've studied that big 390 yeah. pound <laughs> pen lineman. Yeah. You know, with an Italian last name, he has two brothers that played before. You know everything about him. Uh yeah. You know, you know how he his shoe size, you know, how he distributes his weight to his right more than the left. Yeah. You know, when he leans a little bit too forward in a stance, it's gonna be a run play. Yeah. You look read his knuckles. His knuckles when when there's pressure on your fingers, he's yeah, you know, his weights forward. Yeah. Um Well then that's just like you know, you're, a player prepares, an actor
0: prepares. What is it? Uda yes. Hagen. And it's like the yes. same thing. Where it's like, I know when, you know, the photographer shifts his angle. I know that the, I need to shift my facial angle to get the light in there. I, I, I've done enough reps and with enough practice and enough test shoots to know that when these little shifts start to happen or they're setting up in a different way, I know... I mean, if if the shot is tight, if the shot is wide, if it's a mass, if it's a two shot, if it's a over the shoulder, mm-hmm. I know how to adjust. Yes, It's the same thing:
1: pass, run, play,
0: practice, play. <laughs> yes, practice, yes, play. Yeah. I think that I mean, I think that's the best way to end this podcast. I, mean, I think we, I, I, I think so we've too, come man. Full circle. I think we've done a spirograph of circles. I think <laughs> we, at we this hit. Point. Yeah,
1: we hit a lot of amazing topics, and yeah. thank you for guiding us through the woods and taking us down the road less traveled I'm just a
0: voice calling in the wilderness man just like uh, that's all we can be <laughs> like deserto. yes yeah the motto all right well thanks again man i really appreciate the time and uh man. we'll hang soon eternally grateful and we're hanging now all right cool man bye kids bye